Psychic hyperlinks, minimum viable perfection, the struggle to be open about yourself in a society that frowns on the unusual, and how fiction facilitates the conversations we need to have about the issues that truly matter. All this and much more in episode 101 of... The Paid to Play Podcast. Birdie and Mike Diamond of Journey Birds Wonderland. By PC, pod or pad, you are listening to Paid to Play. I'm Rob Farker and I'm here to help you monetize your madness by sharing the stories of folks making money from the things they love doing, no matter how silly, geeky or odd. Now, as you might be able to hear, this is a phone call episode. And it's a phone call episode because I am ringing some old friends back from episode 61 Birdie and Mike Diamond, a pair of US-based writers who have been working on taking their ideas for fantasy universes and turning them into works of printed fiction, audio fiction, and, fingers crossed, even video fiction for the last little while. I last chatted with them for episode 61 of the show, and it's a pleasure to have them back on to talk a little bit about what they have been doing since, the things they've learned, and how they have improved in their craft. In the meantime, Birdie and Mike, welcome back to the Paid to Play podcast. Yes, thank you. And thank you for having us back, and like that. Yes, we're glad to be here. (laughs) Yes. Glad to have you guys. Now, imagine once this podcast wraps up, I hand you a magic ticket, which is good for letting you do one thing that you've either been keen to do or keen to get back into, as well as a magical rearrangement of your schedule to allow you the necessary time to do that thing. What would be on your shortlist to use that ticket on? Uh, my first magic ticket would be to get myself back into a sailplane and start flying again. Uh, you know, it's wonderful research for my story, Crossroads Light Circus story. Uh, but beyond that, uh, that's somewhere where I I tend to chill out really well and it focuses me no end. And uh, it's something that's perfect for me. Bertie, what's yours? Well, actually, before that, I was going to add a, a, a codicil to Mike to the fact that um, it's, it's not on him. It's just the way our lives have been, but... Um, my dad used to fly power, but I've never been in this sailplane. It was one of the things that he promised he would do. And just like mm-hmm. I said, it's never been able to happen yet. And we've been married for quite a while, and I'm looking forward to being able to call that little call yeah. that ticket in. Mm-hmm. Um, for my own magic ticket, however, um, oh, I don't know if this entirely qualifies, but, <laughs> you know, just dreaming and that whole kinds of things. It would be interesting uh, for varying forms of the word interesting, to be able to go into um, the Arrow Writer's Room and and just see what could happen next. <laughs> um, more practically speaking, um, I am looking forward to Season 5 of Arrow. I haven't quite decided with what degree of it's a, yeah, well, it's it's such a good show, and then they have moments, and it's like, people, you have such a good show. Can we get back to that? Anyway, <laughs> oh, season five looks like it's got some potential, some good good places, some consequences. We like those. Um, it's like, yeah, some, 
you know, Felicity, I, I mean, accidentally, and believe me, I, I understand where she comes from with that, but she nuked the city. Yes, there are consequences. She has a whole heart. She has a soul. She has a conscience that's going to bug her, etc. But anyway, um, and personally, you know, beyond that, just be able to go write and play in fandom again to that degree and catch up on the things I've missed. And, and pounce back, and I know there's a lot of great stuff that's been written and created in the time, only some of which I've been able to play with so far. Um, you know, and, and I think you know, and but I think your listeners probably don't, that um, in addition to writing original fic, I also play with fanfic. So it'd be nice to be able to have the time and the space to be able to go play freely there, as well as with the, the things I'm um, hope it can get paid to play with. <laughs> so. uh, fanfic can be a fun little practice ground for honing your writerly talent in. Um, mm -hmm. Especially it's sort of like uh, someone has kind of done all the uh, the hard work of developing a character for you and then you can take what interests you uh, about that character and just then play with developing those aspects of it and seeing, you know, how you can then turn that into a, a coherent story. It's, um, I almost wish I'd been uh, playing with a little bit more myself had I not just um, uh, wound up occupying my time with podcasting and what have you. But uh, what are some of the universes that you guys like to play in a little bit? Um, well, uh, but, well, I guess it's both, uh, both wise. Um, and um, Bardic Raya... Bardic Raven on Archive of Our Own, if anybody wants to go look. Um, but for myself, obviously, Arrow has been my, my recent love, although I've also been dabbling in a certain amount of hairspray because that's the musical that we performed locally uh, back in May. Um, I've done a lot of house fic, done a lot of mash fic, uh, Witchblade fic, hugely. Um, there again, that's another one that we may be playing with in other realms because eventually because there again, especially um, the, the trio of Mike and I and also my sister in spirit, we have this ability to come together and create fantastic universes. I was actually looking back at something I'd written before and going, you know, A, this could become original fic really easy, and B, it should. This is too good to lay about unfinished and unloved, we, you know. So who knows what'll happen? But you know, it's we love playing with universes and creating those kinds of universes and going off and playing in them. And that is—it's a lot of fun for us. I mean, it is work, definitely. And like you said, uh, to even with fanfic, having read a lot and of varying levels of execution, shall we say? There again, to create a good fanfic story, you still have to put a fair amount of work into it. Mm. You know, especially mm. if you're not just going with the standard tropes, and or even if you're starting there, but then coming to make something original and compelling. You know, you still got to put the brain into it. You still got to put the editing into it. Sometimes some research, um, and when you don't, it shows and all the things. So. Um. <laughs> Um, actually, Mike, you should share a little, too, because you've yeah, got a little I, bit of fanfic and that kind of... I did exactly one fanfic story back when Bertie was very heavy into Witchblade. Oh, what was the character's name? Kenneth, Kenneth Irons. Irons. I did a Kenneth Irons origin story of him in World War I. Um, 
And uh, he was like 14 at the time. And I did meth in my head. I said, you know, at the very end, they were that desperate. And that would really affect how he sees the universe. And that explains a lot about Kenneth Iron. So I, I did one of those. I enjoyed it, but I don't tend to dabble too much in, um, in fanfic. Uh, I try to um, get to something I can sell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, and unfortunately, the pay-to-play um, things for that kind of for that kind of thing seem to be a little uh, less. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's the sort of thing where you're where you pretty much the only way to get paid to play to do that is pretty much by working with the uh, the owners of the intellectual property in question. Yeah, <laughs> right, and and work for hire I have discovered is not my thing. I'm when it comes to my my creations I am I am a control freak and I will I will admit this um but there again I'm something I've been exploring as well is the fact of there again what to me I see it as appropriate craftsmanship you know it's craft I want things that go out whether it's under my name or my suit I don't care it's still me and I want it to be the best that I can make it. Now, there again, you have to be careful that it doesn't slide over into perfectionism where, oh, I can't release that, which is fear. But having a good product, that's important because people do care. And they will, they will gravitate like with anything else. You know, they'll go for the good stuff. Um, mm. Sometimes, and then they go for the schlock that you're just like, really? But that's that. We we we. I try not try to you know scoop that under the rug. I'm making kitty kitty dish under the rug motions here. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, sometimes some people just like their comfort food, even though they know it's not necessarily good for them. There is that, and I admit, I, I, I yeah, I have my junk food fiction too. I I will admit. Um, mm. Still, it's nice when it's well done. Indeed. Well, well, you were talking a little bit about pay-to-play a little earlier on. Now, I think in the last episode we did talk some uh, about your background and um, uh, where you guys uh, separately and together kind of uh, came into being writers. Tell me a little bit more about, and uh, to refresh our listeners a little bit, uh, that moment when uh, you did decide to actually pursue writing as a source of income when you decided you wanted to get paid to play to do it? Well, for myself, it took looking at being in a hospital bed. Um, Twice. Well, there's that too. But the second time was was the final get it, got it, good moment. Um, I was, you know, because of course you're in a hospital, (laughs) what else are you going to do? I was hanging out. They had telly. I was skimming around. I happened to find this... um, um, PBS document documentary about uh, writers workshop, and he the the person leading it was ca- uh, counseling this young lady who was basically you know who am I to be a writer you know there again this perception that writing entertainment like that it's a luxury thing and you know getting paid to pay, you know again that whole thing that you've talked about in, in both directly and with the fact of this podcast existing the fact that for the wider culture getting paid to play is like, who do you think you are? And she was basically saying, and he came right back at her and it's like, who the hell are you to be a writer? Who the hell are you not to be? Expletives included. 
And I was just sitting there blinking and going, you know what? It's not too late. It is only too late if I say it is. Mm. And at that, at that time, I thought it meant to go pursue my singing. But then as I came back home and started writing and encountered a gentleman who was going through a similar midlife crisis, although in different, obviously, just about everything else was different, um, and discovered the Arrows in Flight universe, I realized, no, this means writing, which, you know, I've been doing since yay high. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny thing? I've been wanting to be a writer for a very long time. It's just that there is a perception in my mind somehow that writing does not equal income and success. I had to get a real job to make money. Yeah. And it's like it took me a long time to somebody take a skull that, uh, Ryan can be my real job, and, you know, the perception is luxury. Um, I think it's necessary to entertain, educate people through story. I mean, going back to the bards of, you know, back when cavemen were around named Ugg, uh, there were times of sitting around a fire and telling stories, how educate people, how they uh, mm-hmm. actually, you know, talked about what's right and wrong, what talked about the new thing that's happening, about this new rock they found that creates sparks when they hit it. Uh, you know, the case paintings and stuff. I mean, yeah. even if it is, it's still about a story. It's hey, it's a story exactly. about a successful hunt. It's just not starving to death. Yeah, that's a story. That's an important yeah. story. Yeah, and how you pass along uh, valuable lessons to other people. Uh, you know, there's nothing luxurious about that. It's something mm-hmm. everybody needs. And it took me a long time before I got to my skull that no, no, writing is the thing. You know, I, I knew I was one my own business. I want to do my own thing. I always wanted to be a writer, but somehow A and B didn't affect very recently. Hmm. Yeah, it, um, there does seem to be this common perception out there that uh, the only things that are really important are the things that are um, easily... Uh, oh, what's the best way to kind of say it? That really the only kind of uh, support that needs... Oh, I'm struggling with the words here a bit, folks, I've got to admit, but I I just keep kind of thinking of the usual battle that tends to go on with governments when it comes to uh, sponsorship of the arts and how there's this common thing of uh, where people will say, why do we have to pay taxes Mm -hmm. to sponsor somebody's hobby when, you know, we have, yeah, uh, we've got to take care of other priorities first without realizing that maybe artistic expression is just as important to the sanity of a culture Mm -hmm. as um as making sure that everyone's bellies are full as it were and that they're healthy right that's one thing i was going to say when you were just saying it now i mean it's my language you know i've was brought to aware of through um, some of the New Age experiences that we had. But, yeah, governments recognize and, and, you know, some of these traditions that I I gather founded both our countries (laughs) um, is that thing, the physical body. You know, that's what we need to support, the physical body, forgetting about, you know, the mind and the spirit, which are at least equally as important. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, you know, various people can argue even more so. I mean, either way, it's like those need supported too. You yeah. Know, support the emotional well-being, the spiritual well-being, which does not have to equal religion, um, although it can. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. It's just like 
wait a minute, people, I think it's another one of those stories that needs to change. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like all this stuff going on in the U.S. lately, but I mean, I, I gather that, you know, at least to some degree, this conversation is filling out too. Um, but just that thing of that fiction, quote unquote, can be a way that we can have those conversations. I mean, I still remember um, back with the Oklahoma City bombing and like that, that, you know, and the whole creation, creationism versus evolution, that um, Star Trek DS9 did an episode. And somehow it was a lot easier when we were talking about Keiko O'Brien's right to teach evolution in her classroom and Kai wins hey, we can't do that because that will shake the Bajoran faith, it was a lot easier to talk about it there than talking about Oklahoma. You know, it gave us that step away so we could breathe and have these conversations, and then we can bring the results of that back to our everyday lives and our actual culture and like that. So, yeah, in that sense, you know, there's a reason why storytellers historically have been granted a lot more... um, prestige and honor than they kind of seem to be these days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, there was one idea that I think it got mentioned the last time we spoke, but we didn't really delve into it so much. uh, This idea that you guys follow when it comes to creating your fiction that you call fiction isn't. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it helps you uh, get your works written? Okay. Uh, there is, uh, when you think about fiction, your mind actually is going out looking for examples of when it's actually happening. Uh, uh, we talk about, we listen to successful writers, they all say how the characters tend to uh, make a life of their own. And they do what they want to do anyway. Um, and we realized, especially after we got into learning psychic functioning, uh, did a little bit of remote viewing, uh, especially after learning how to channel, that as we were uh, writing our stories, you know, it dawned on both of us, hey, we're channeling this. This is not just going some uh, place where uh, there is just creativity and we're just making things up the whole cloth. What we're doing is telling a true story about somebody we don't know. Um, Like my story and Bernie's uh, stories happen to people very similar to Earth, very similar to humans, not exactly. Uh, But it's happening for real somewhere else. And we're just telling this story. Here it's fiction, but it's not fiction for them. Um, so we're actually, um, uh, telling biography about somebody we don't know, or we know, but they're not here on this planet. Yeah, I I tend to call it psychic biography, basically. Yeah. With, you know. And a book, what's a book, a short story, but a psychic hyperlink? Uh, you're creating, uh, to the reader or the listener or the watcher, uh, that link to the actual world, and to the point where you start reading a book and you can visualize for yourself, and you're visualizing the same thing, but if you look at the description, your mind has got a lot more in it than the description shows. 
Mm. You got, uh, you know how like in a computer you got hyperlink, you click on it, you actually go there? Uh, it's a psychic hyperlink. You're creating a link to the person, to the real place. And, uh, I mean, I think a lot of writers have uh, toyed with a little bit of the idea with I actually get into the psychic word. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, I just write the story down as they tell me. Or, uh, uh, you know, you know, funny thing, I started thinking about this, and all of a sudden the character just took life of the own, and I just went with it. Uh, you hear that a lot from, uh, from authors, and I don't think a lot of them really appreciate the psychic connection. But since we're the ones that have actually been studying psychic function, realize, wait a second, this is not just us doing fiction. This is... Uh, this is a uh, uh, channeling. Uh, that's basically what we've been doing before, uh, only with people we know were real. Um, and that that was the weird part. We were talking is, hey, this is something we're channeling. And if you think about, you read these books about how to get yourself in a good space to write fiction, or write at all. You know, find a quiet place, free of distractions, you clear your mind, and you, and you focus on what you're trying to get across. Well, that's the exact description of how you do get into psychic functioning, too. There's no difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know that's going to be kind of a big thing, because unfortunately um, for a large chunk of the world, sadly, you know, the, the psychic and psychic functioning has all kinds of connotations, most of them not terribly useful. But they are what are. But at the same time, there's good reason to at least become as comfortable with it as you can, starting with that economics uh, fact, aspect of it. Uh, Mike and I went to a, a local talk held by authors, and it was impressive, not in a good way, of how little good authors still get paid. I mean, unless you're like Nora Roberts or somebody like that, you know, so, um, um, Janet Ivanovich, somebody like that, you know, it's like pennies practically. And you're fighting for those kind of things. So being able to write quickly and well is a good concept. So, I mean, it's got some good things. I mean, there again, it's a matter of like everything else, it takes practice to get there. But there are, you know, quite everyday world uh, reasons to at least at least think about it. <laughs> and and mm. if it starts happening to you, to just be a little more willing to go with the flow and, you know, like, I'll like Mike said, a lot of authors are like, okay, this wasn't how I intended the story to go, but hey, it's a good story, so we'll just go with it. Hey, this is James L. Sutter, co-creator of Pathfinder and Starfinder role-playing games, and you're listening to the Paid to Play podcast. Now, there was one word I heard you guys use just now, and that I think you did mention in our last chat that I didn't really sort of touch on, and that I think maybe needs a little bit more explanation, especially for um, our listeners. You mentioned that you learned how to channel. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, what that word means and what you guys do when you're channeling? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just um, trying to describe a thing. Okay, sure. um, with channeling, it's a communication tool as much as anything else. You can communicate with people on other physical level. You can communicate with uh, the higher level beings like guides and angels and so on and so forth. And what you're doing is creating um, a conduit between you and them, their energy and yours. 
uh, connect to the point where you can actually get information transfer. And then as the channel, the human involved, you're trying to get this information and translate it into English and say it for other people. Um, and sometimes information comes in words. Sometimes it comes in pictures. Sometimes you get kind of uh, uh, a memory pointed to tell that story. You know, something, any combination thereof uh, to bring across what's going on. But mainly it's a communication tool. Uh, you know, a lot how effective a channel is depends on how clear you are and how well you can connect, uh, how viable your sources are. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, will talk to just about anybody or take people's word for who they're talking about. And channeling can be a lot like the Internet where, you know, I can go on there and say I'm a 12-year-old girl and, you know, uh, my best friend is uh, I'll call Barbie. Uh, you know, and unless I make a huge mistake in how I word it, you have no choice but to believe me. Uh, and a lot of people are predators on the Internet who do exactly that. Um, but, uh, but, you know, Internet could be a, uh, the psychic uh, world could be the same way. If you, unless you really have a way, and there are ways of doing it, you can end up talking to the wrong people. A lot of people do. Um, but, uh, you know, if you get some good guys that you trust who will help you out and they'll make sure you don't get fooled, uh, it's also a good way of, it's a wonderful lie detector. Once you've channeled, nobody can lie to you because you know it right off. Um, you know, or mislead you or something doesn't really ring true, you know it. Um, but uh, it, there, uh, there are some landmines out there, but I think overall, if you're careful and you do it right, it can be a very good communication tool. Um, but uh, uh, you bring across a lot of information that way. Yeah, it it depending on the degree that you're doing um or the, the the depth of the connection it can be very intimate in terms of you can be exchanging in energy at a very high level especially for verbal channels where they are actually stepping their own personalities aside a little bit um in controlled ways and allowing another spirit to temp temporarily borrow their bodies but you can also do that without having to be that that intimate about it and just have that connection between two people. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's like a lot of psychic experience, it's kind of hard to describe in words and partly because everybody's experience of it is slightly different. I mean, which I suspect is true for most things in life, but at least in things in the everyday world, we, we have more uh, concrete things like this you talking about this and yes or no or make kind of or whatever and, and with psychic function it's a little harder to do that but um, I just I know that it's been a wonderful thing and it can get you some great friends it can get you some great experiences if you do it well and can just open you to a wider world than you knew was possible <laughs> but that's in a good way in a good way mm. so hopefully somewhere in there was actually something helpful <laughs> <laughs> It's good to talk about these things, especially when there's something that's perhaps a little bit outside a lot of people's normal experience, because at least it'll hopefully, you know, get them, uh, if it in, excites their curiosity and gets them investigating, then, um, 
yeah, it, then it's a help. Yeah. Well, and that's that's part of it, too, is that even though, I mean, I'll tell you, I was really nervous. I kind of, I'm pretty sure I hit the backspace key a couple of times, and I made myself type it in again when I was sending you the, the list of topics and all that kind of thing. But I'm like, you know, we, and I, I've debated because I can just see, you know, it's not always an easy thing to talk about. It's, I mean, for people, you know, who have done it at an even higher level, it's not necessarily accepted by society. And it brings up a lot of fear. It does. You know, and just, yeah, a lot of fear, a lot of fear, a lot of stuff with a capital S, you know, all, all these things. So I'm like, you know, well, can't I just write and hide that? And that was like, no. Because there again, for all the people out there that are having it and having these experiences, and I know for myself, the people who have been willing to be brave and say, yeah, this happened, it's like, oh, thank goodness, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. And hmm. that's why I was like, okay, no, we will talk about this. And if people think we are crazy and they don't want to deal, well, you know, better now than later. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I mean, let's. Yeah, I was about to say that's one of the things I'm kind of trying to make this podcast a little bit about a bit more is to encourage people to stop hiding themselves. And if you feel like you know you have to almost be half yourself in order to uh, do the things that you need to do, then um, if, why why do anything when it's basically costing you your soul and your sanity to have to restrict yourself in order to do it? Yeah, and because that's one thing that I, I finally started, and I'm not sure, the good news is I'm not sure people have entirely noticed, or they thought, oh, that's just Bergie speak again, but, you know, the cool thing about establishing these connections, and part of the reason that I have, you know, I believe that, you know, if they were, again, the people in Arrows in Flight, for example, are out there somewhere real, is the fact that there have been times that I've gotten communication outside of story, just like I'll be thinking about something or freaking out, you know, like um, the other the other day I was having a um, bit of a singing moment and um, Clara, who I don't believe you've met yet, but um, she's a, a opera diva and she was coming to me and, and just kind of laying down some truth about what it means and, you know, about, professional singing like you're right you're right and I was fine and you know things like that just brushes and it's you know it's just like a stray thing it's nothing inappropriate or anything it's just but it's outside of okay I'm going to sit down and write a scene about and it's like okay but you know it's definitely outside the norm mm. and part of what Mike and I are hoping is that maybe we can do our little bit to helping it become the norm you know, because there again, you know, it's it's a change that needs to happen, and the more it can happen, the more it can actually help people, and uh, all these things, and just ah. <laughs> 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 ah. Okay, so thank you, and, and thank you for encouraging um, us and, and all your guests to to be themselves and just let it hang out, and as, as people have said before, let your freak freak flag fly, and so be it, and all the things. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely, and you're welcome, guys. 
moving on from there, I mean, tell me about uh, some of the work you've been doing recently, the interesting places where these explorations have taken you to. I've been involved in a couple of them, uh, the Church of the Guardian Angel and Arrows in Flight, and I think I've done uh, a little bit for Crosswell's Flying Circus as well. So, yeah, tell us about these uh, these places that and these people that uh, you're developing into stories. Goodness. Um, I think for myself, I might need a, a couple of focusing in questions. That sounds like a how would you do today in school? Well, <laughs> all the things. <laughs> you know, it, it's been it's been fun because. Uh, oh, by the way, there's going to be a lot more for you at Crossroads. Uh, rule tweaking, a lot more audio. I think we're going to have doing. Uh, I've had to rewrite the prologue, so you have to do that one again. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, uh, darn, right? Yeah, oh, darn. And uh, the, the more the Lawrence Knight news reporter, uh, I think we're going to do another one of those. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I've started to learn more about the history of Crosswells. Uh, right now, I'm in the middle of writing a short story of the origin story, what got those guys first started. Back when it was five college students who bought a Piper Cup. And... Uh, and how that organization got started, the decisions they made then, they actually created the seeds, uh, set the, uh, uh, the seeds for what it became later on, which in the modern day. Now, Crossroads Flying Circus is uh, very much a fictional organization on this world. Um, uh, there really isn't a major warbird outfit exactly like it. Um, in the United States, at least, there's uh, the two biggest ones, the Commemorative Air Force and the Valiant Air Command and uh, EAA's Warbirds of America. And there's a variety of museums that uh, rebuild and, uh, and fly aircraft, uh, and they do a lot of air shows. But nothing quite like Crosswells, but it's sort of like uh, when I was trying to uh, link to the story, like I said, fiction isn't, I was thinking, okay. What I would like to see in a Woodbird outfit if it really existed. And I went all my uh, fantasies and all the good things with come A, come B, come C. And I got linked to this world where there was this organization called Crossroads Fine Circus. And the current president is a guy named um, Al Harrington, who's the president of operations of that outfit. And how they got called, you know, uh, roped into. Um, uh, a lot of uh, oh, cloak and dagger kind of uh, combination of terrorist operation and uh, um, major rule takeover, and they got roped into it. And uh, they're they're working with some spies and uh, trying to work against the bad guys. And it's it's all gotten really fun and exciting. And uh, uh, there's a lot of parallels between that world and this one because some of the same things are happening on this world. I and mean, I want to see how they solve the problem because it was playing ticket here. Um, and, uh, and so there's, uh, there's a lot of things going on with the history and the current day, and, uh, and it's going to be a lot, very fun story to write, and I'm hoping it'll be fun for a lot of people to read. You did mention a warbird outfit, and uh, I think you named a few, but I mean, just to clarify, what you're talking about, I assume, is an, uh, a private company that uh, holds aerobatic and air history shows featuring vintage military planes. Is, is, have I got that right? Yes. Uh, okay, like like the ones here on this world. Um, uh, they, uh, most of these birds are World War II, uh, though not exclusively. Uh, 
thing on the flat line to Oshkosh air show right now is the FM two from Vietnam. I mean, uh, there's a wide range of uh, money. Uh, I went to Sun Fun one time and saw uh, air back routine by both a MiG twenty one F one hundred four Starfighter, believe it or not. So you know, if you have enough money to throw the problem, there's hardware available. Uh, though trying to keep those things under the mark and keep them busting their FARs, I have no idea how they're doing that. But there's everything from uh, Pioneer planes from pre-World War One to the present day. Um, people buy them, they restore them, they fly them. Uh, it's it's a way of keeping a level of technology alive. Back when you know, uh, back when airplanes had propellers, most of them. Back when you know, uh, level technology from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and, uh, you know, uh, technology that's going away. I mean, uh, uh, these days they're talking about uh, doing away with AVGAS and just going with Jet A and everything. Uh, what these things will be flying in the future, probably car gas, I don't know. Um, so you have this level of technology people will try to keep alive. Uh, it's not about glorifying war so much as glorifying the airplanes at the technology level. Uh, you know, there's a lot of popularity uh, of those things. It's true even in your country, Australia. Um, uh, New Zealand's known for it, believe it or not. Uh, you know, as well as the United States. So there's, uh, it's very popular in certain circles, and if you've never seen them fly, I recommend you go to an air show and see them fly because it's spectacular. And there's nothing oh, like the toys of those things flying overhead. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we've even got a uh, a, a Warbirds outfit up here on um, just west of Cairns on the Atherton Tablelands. I think I'm pretty sure it's called the Mariba Warbirds. So, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, the popularity is definitely global. Um, but look, anyway, uh, I think we were just about to pop over to Birdie and ask her about um, uh, the universes that she was working in. Oh, good Lord. Um, well, I'll do my best. Um, Arrow's so, well, Sorry? I was about to say, so yeah, Arrow's in flight, which I mean, from an outsider definitely looks as though it's it's sort of inspired by all that um, Arrow fan fiction that you've been working on. Um, well, it, it definitely started as um, a response to the fact that I kept putting irritated exclamation point author fic uh, as tags on my uh, early Arrow fics because, yes, it's, the show annoyed me that much that it provoked fanfic. And then eventually <laughs> it was like, okay, if I could, you know, go and do something similar and actually have it work, basically, and and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and eventually then like i said um came in, in contact with Miles Austin and it kind of was off and running from there and you know there again as i grew to know those people themselves as opposed to these you know sort of stereotyped ideas that i had had in the beginning um it kind of locked into itself and became its own story at that point so mm. Um, and it's good stuff. It's it's good stuff, and and hopefully, uh, <sighs> hopefully we'll work out. But I suspect we have enough point, suitable points of differentiation at this point that life is fine. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. then of course and there's and, and starting to be uh, 
trying to get a little bit known out there, and, and thank you for your help with that. You're welcome. It's uh, it, uh, It's been a pleasure to uh, uh, keep liking and retweeting all the posts that you're putting up saying, yes, uh, listen to Rob F. read uh, Blackie's Tale and uh, The Choice of Lincoln Green. It's... <laughs> Oh, yes, it's, and I um, It's been great and... seeing the response to those. Yeah, I'm sorry? It's been great seeing the response yes. to those. Yes, yes, it has. And people that we don't know are also liking and retweeting, which is awesome casting. It's like, yes, keep that up, people. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so definitely, and, and definitely um, playing around with which stories to send you next. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. And, and there again, as we get get paid more we will definitely be passing it on for you to do your play too because we love what you're doing and would like more of that <laughs> so um yeah and also definitely uh, i'm coming up with uh shifting universes a little bit um well i just uh for, sorry one more arrows in flight thing is i suspect the next one that we're probably going to be heading your way which means we'll be heading out as an audio um is probably going to be the cosplay spotlight piece i did called masquerade in this case, right. Masquerade Part 1 of um, Miles getting ready for Masquerade. And just because it amuses him, he dresses as Robin Hood. <laughs> but not the same way. No. Um, and it kind of goes into it in that. So um, um be sending that your way as well. Um, but then um, for the Church of the Guardian Angel, which is basically um, a human and a cat coming together um, and... Helping to make the world a little bit better place. Um, I'm starting to think of what the story for this year's National Feral Cat Day is, and I have an idea. Excuse me, I just need to sit down and start writing it. Um, I wrote a couple of pieces recently for Orlando United, and this, uh, the National Feral Cat Day is going to, I suspect, be somewhat in support of both Black Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter. Mm. And we'll see what happens there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, there again, it's the, the Church of the Guardian Angels kind of r- raising the point that, you know, the gods aren't fighting, why are we? And it's a case of a couple of people coming together there and going, hey, you know, we'd like to see some change in the world, and it's we're in a place where we can do it, so let's find some avatars and and set them loose on the world and and hopefully have some good stuff happen. <laughs> um, well, and then there's another. Uh, there are so many more than more than you have time to to do, but um, th- a couple of others that are uh, like one more that I'm working in right now, and then also an experiment I'm I'm playing with right now is there's another universe called Born to Die, which is basically the story stories of people on a world that has become in the middle of um, Nebula Mike? Yes. Okay. Uh, he's the amateur astronomer, and that's one thing that we're priding ourselves on and trying to do is certain things to do it right. You know, oh. archery done right, psychic functioning done right, astronomy done right, because... There's places that authors tend to stumble, and it's not—it's often not pretty. Yeah, aviation done right, absolutely. Anyway, um, and because of that being in that nebula, it cuts down the sunlight, which means it's kind of that nuclear winter kind of effect 
even though they themselves didn't do anything to have it happen. So it's about them reclaiming their world and the, the people they specialize and they come together, all these things. Um, one of the stories that, or the Orlando United stories is actually a born to die story, and then the other one's a Church of the Guardian Angel. Um, so that's, that's, that's been going on there. Um, some new people that I, that you haven't met yet, um, but cool stuff there. And then there's an experiment that I'm doing because the thing about channeling and remote viewing and some of these aspects is that the more what they call blind you are to the target, the less you know going in, the more pure it is, so to speak, the, the better results you get, essentially. And I had a dream the other day that was very interesting, and I wrote down the bit, and then I started to write down story around it. And I'm experimenting with it to see how far I can get. Um, it's The world is called Sahan, and... Um, about a young lady coming home from being off planet to find her brother suddenly been promoted to what is essentially the sultanate. You know, and it's like, okay, now what are we all going to do? And and I know nothing else about it, and that's kind of the point. It's like, yeah, so we're kind of putting fiction isn't to the test here, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey there, this is Scott Doucette of the Podcast Bay. You are listening to the Paid to Play podcast with Rob Barker. Now, uh, one of the things, of course, I do want to talk about is how you are working on taking all this wonderful stuff that you're developing and getting paid to play. And I know that uh, uh, we both, I think, have taken a, a step within the last 12 months or so and uh, hopped on the Patreon crowdfunding bandwagon. How have you been finding that so far? Um, well, much better now that we've actually gotten the page set up to, to say what we're trying to say, and I'm starting to get the word out there. Um, you know, it's it's definitely got good potential. I mean, we're at the beginning, and that's part of the thing I have to remember is that just because Mike and I have been, you know, trying to get online for the last seven years doesn't mean that we have all that weight of time behind us necessarily because... For most of that time, we were too scared to say our truth, you know, which, mm. like I said, was there not, not fiction isn't, but the psychic functioning in general and the, and the contacts and stories we have there. And, I, you know, especially me, I was just too scared to do it and, you know, had the results you'd expect. <laughs> but now that we're actually, you know, coming to a place of, yeah, this is who we are and we know we're not everybody's cup of tea and that's fine. You know, as long as you're polite about it, that's cool. We'll be, you know, hey, we'll all be happy. Um, then we're starting to make some progress. Um, we're going to be coming out with some physical products as well, both, you know, kind of swag in support of the stories as well as um, writer's tools and, and things like that, not to mention just some fun T-shirts I was playing yesterday. Uh, with a, a slice of pie, for example, some fun things like that. Um so, betwixt and between, it, I think it's coming together, and it's a question probably even better to ask us in another six months to a year, but we're definitely <laughs> making some positive uh, forward movement, and that's really exciting. So. Yeah, it's still good to talk about those forward movements, even if you are feeling like the success that you would like to have might still be a little bit off, because there are heaps of people who would feel like they're in that situation at the moment, or even though they're not 
you know, they might not even be that far along and they, you know, as you guys did for a good while there, they're still struggling with that, um, with the confidence of putting themselves out there. And, you know, hearing from you folks where you're saying, you know, you, um, it's not all happened instantaneously, but um, you are making progress. And although you're not where you want to be yet, you're still happy to keep going and it's still a good experience. I think that that's one of the things that really would help encourage folks to start doing their thing. You know what I mean? So that uh, uh, they don't get the idea that if they don't reach you know, immediate or rapid success that that means that they really what they then ought to be doing is, you know, packing it all in and um, going back to day job dullness, as it were. Yeah. And I mean, there again, you know, if it's something that you can blend, um, you know, that's definitely a good option too. I mean, paying the bills is a good plan. Um, that's, you know, we've got some, you know, our, our current situation may be changing soon. So yeah, we're, we're definitely got a little extra motivation there. Oh, and we also have a plan. It's like, you know what, we can relax and stay relaxed, which, you know, isn't just, you know, a, an abundance thing. We've, we've had this on so many shows. The tighter you are, and, and business people talk about this, too. It's like, if you're like, oh, my God, I need money, please, give me money. People, like, stay away in droves. And if you can just relax, you know, so we can be that. But definitely for people that, um, you know, are beginning, definitely say keep going and, you know, because one thing that I've noticed, and I actually had a bit of this the other day, is of seeing people that I knew at the beginning and seeing where they are now. And they're wonderful people, and they deserve all their success. You know, it's like, please don't misunderstand me. But at the same time, it's hard. Like, nab it. You know, if I had just been, you know, the shoulda, woulda, coulda moments. And it's like, wait a minute. Well, you know, you have other people that have been also marching along and doing struggling their own thing, and, you know, we're all starting to get that movement, too. It comes in its own time, and definitely the only time it doesn't is if you quit. So, anyway. Mm. And also, one thing I noticed is uh, the people are successful, the ones who take the long term, Mm -hmm. they stick at it, they work at it, and, you know, someday they'll be the flesh in the pan. But that flesh pan are working at it for a while, and they put a lot of effort into it. Uh, you know, it's we've only given ourselves a uh, green light as far as really pushing social media until very recently. Uh, you know, and uh, and we're still ramping that up. Uh, I, I think over time we maintain the consistency, upgrade everything, keep improving. Um, like you know, we are going to uh, get that success, but that doesn't happen on one tweet or one. Pinterest post or Facebook post or whatever. It doesn't. It happens over a period of time. I know myself. How many times have I seen the same tweet over and over and over and over and over and over again before I finally click it? I mean, sometimes mm. I have to see it a bunch of times before I even look at it. And it's something I'm even interested in. Sometimes you're just not there at that moment. So you've got to be consistent. And that's the important thing with this is just be consistent. You're going to get success as long as you're willing to do that. Um, okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what. While um, we're sort of talking about consistency, and especially with regards to writing, you guys did send me some interesting notes on some of the tools that you use to help get your works written. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of those? Uh, uh, your card decks, the uh, the Bardic prompt decks, and the uh, the Bold Kit and Alphabet for writers. Yeah. Um, that actually um, the bar. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll get burning. Novel Nudges Volume 1 is actually what helped me win my first nano last, uh, last year. Now, I admit I was doing a non-traditional nano in the fact that my daily notes from the journey and stuff, I allowed that to count, but it was like it had to be – my rules for the game were that it had to actually be, um, you know, what I call on stage, as in it was like um, if it was nonfiction, it was like a blog post or that notes from the journey, which is like for an end user. It wasn't, well, this is how I'm going to do my social media this time, or and the fiction. I was trying to do some of each each day. And there were days that I was just like, oh, good Lord, what the holy, you know, what am I going to write? Because I'd ramped up. 750 was easy, but that's, you know, uh, was it 667 to do nano in a month? It was like, that was hard. And then I would draw, I did one for the day of the month, and then one extra random, and it was like, okay, that is a prompt. If you're stuck, write from that. And it really helped. And often it ended up coming back to the story that I was actually working with, so it actually was able to help me write that specific story instead of, like, 30 different little snippets, <laughs> which was kind of nice. And it was funny, too, because there were not all the days, but some days that I didn't need them, and then I would look back and go, you know what, that's it. <laughs> and some of that, I'm sure, is just the human being's ability to do that, you know, like, oh, of course this fits, but sometimes a really amazing and very cool that, oh, yeah, the writing, you know, there again, that kind of, subconscious connection, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Um, so <laughs> I, just, I find them very helpful. And, and it's a nice way, and, and to me it helps, if nothing else, um, kind of prevent that staring at the, at the empty page. Because if nothing else, you can write down your cards of the day. Oh, okay, and day such and such equals this, day such and such equals that. Okay, the page is no longer blank. Great! Now I can put make it less blank. You know? <laughs> um, and, and so, so those have been very helpful. And the um, bull kitten alphabet for writers—that's um, it's still very much in progress. And it's another one of those projects that's kind of a little bit taking its its own, not only its own time, but its own shape as we go along. But it's intended and, and as far as I, I I know it still is twenty six things that a writer needs, like twenty six habits that a writer needs to develop. Like, you know, action is in taking action put butt in chair, you know, pen pen or pencil in hand or fingers on keyboard, however you write, make it happen. You know, bold going, comfortably uncomfortable. Because, like I said, you know, putting your words out there, those are often very intimate words, you know, they're coming from your heart. And they're mm. out there where people can criticize and, and be mean and like that. Ah! You know, so it's getting used to that, okay, this isn't comfortable, but it's necessary, and it's, it's a good, positive thing, and hitting publish in whatever format, you know, whether it's sending off to, a, to an agent or a publisher or hitting post on the Internet, whatever, things like that. Um, and the goal is when it's done, there again, if you're looking for something to do, <laughs> we can find something. But also just, you know, in this Oracle deck style of, okay, I'm stuck. Where's a place I, can, I should work now? Oh, okay, I need to practice my determination or I need to practice that comfortably uncomfortable or whatever. Oh, okay. And, of course, it's up to you whether you do it, but, you know, there's only so much any tool can do. Eventually you have to put your own energy and, and decision 
into it, but they're little things to help you on your way. Indeed. Now, uh, one thing that you did mention uh, a few minutes ago was na winning NaNoWriMo. And for those of you in my audience who, in our audience who might be unfamiliar, NaNoWriMo, if you're going, who the what now? Uh, <laughs> it's basically, it, it's uh, a shortened form of National Novel Writing Month. And it's, um, it's a, a tradition that started, uh, I think, at least a decade ago now uh, amongst writers' circles, and it's basically a purely personal or community challenge. You win NaNoWriMo by starting uh, in at the beginning of November, and by the end of November, you need to have written a 50,000-word first draft. Um, per the title, the overall goal um, is that you're writing a novel, but pretty much as long people are happy to have you along for the challenge if you are in and writing every day or every couple of days however you want to do it the average actually breaks down having done it myself a couple of years ago um that you need to be writing at least 1600 words per day so you've got to be making sure you're sitting down and uh, um putting it in somehow um so that was, of course, you mentioned November 2015. When this episode comes out, it will be early October. So NaNoWriMo 2016 is going to be a few weeks away. Uh, are you folks planning on going in this year? I know I am. Um, are you, Mike? I am not sure yet. I certainly have part two and part three of Crossbows to finish, but uh, I, I might try it just to see. I don't know if I'll succeed, but... Uh, uh, it'd be nice to get a good role going. Uh, I'll officially say yes. I am less sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those that, you know, we can there again, put the decks to use, see what happens, and mm -hmm. you know, make sure I'm not a fluke. I don't think I am, but, you know, it's always good to have that wider audience. Mm. But, yeah, definitely going to be doing, um, I hope to be, um, having at least Volume 1 available as a paper deck by then, if not both Volume 1 and 2. I just finished writing the words as in writing the prompts themselves, and I've chosen all the pictures uh, for Volume 2. I just need to go through and pick the background and then assemble and do all the other little backstage paraphernalia of getting it up, up to our printer and stuff like that. But and I'm planning. I don't know what it looks like yet, but I, I want to do some writerly support kind of things for Nano. So I think we've talked a little bit about uh, the things that are kind of coming up next through that uh, lens of NaNoWriMo and um, uh, some of the plans you've spoken about earlier on. But are there any things, uh, any next challenges or next? skills that you want to learn or improve that you would like to tackle sometime on the near horizon? Um, well, definitely for myself. And there's a couple different layers of that, actually. There's actually a list. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. And, and I think two <laughs> things specifically I want to mention, because one other thing that we're going to be doing in November, I mean, apparently November is just, whoo, doing all the things. Um, but in addition to that, I am determined to release by creating a peaceful holiday um, program this year, um, which is basically, again, writing prompts to encourage people to find the ways to, you know, again, to basically what it says, create a peaceful holiday. Take back the holidays, get rid of the crazy, keep the awesome, however you choose to define that. It's um, 
there is, you know, it is celebrate, you know, there is like a a Christmas mention, but it's not particularly intended to be just for that. It's like whatever faith path you follow, because at least in in the U.S., it kind of doesn't matter. You're caught up in the crazy anyway, whether or not that's your actual religion. So, um, but anyway, I hope to get that out and also learn myself how to deal with the holidays in a better way just because my mom passed on Christmas Day, so that's kind of made it awkward, shall we say. Uh, and it's been some hard reclaiming and lots of, of stuff with that capital S around that, and I'd like to reclaim the holidays for myself as well as help other people to do that. So that's kind of that um, specific thing there. And then, of course, as we move forward, uh, you know, my just as I will, I'll hand it to Amity and add. But we would like to be taking our stories to, as we have said, to the audio and to the video, and eventually, someday, as we get there, to the internet telly kind of thing. And we're definitely needing the skills to learn to do that. You know, how to hire people within the the law, and how to do all these um, deal with all these creative issues. How to find a good entertainment lawyer in Michigan, apparently, is one of them. Um, for all the movies and stuff, they're here. But anyway, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But that kind of thing, how to learn to be producers in truth and not just in name. Yeah. Mm. Like the two audios that you did uh, for us, the Choice Lincoln Green and the Blackie's Tale, uh, started that. It's, it's not just us uh, having somebody do an audio story. It's about portraying the story. Uh, I think the next thing is getting into more of a radio theater mode and having uh, stories, complex stories with more than one character and portraying them and not merely just saying the words on a page. Uh, and that's the first story, the first step along the road of uh, portraying in video and then later again like in a TV like Bernie was saying. And so I really feel that uh, and learning a lot of individual skills about taking a short story or a novel and then turning it into something that somebody can listen to or watch at home and and feel they're not seeing somebody's oh, first attempt or, you know, something that, yeah, yeah, fine, pet, you know, pet you in the head, nice try for a beginner, but actually have some of the way it looks and feels professional. Axonar um, as opposed to somebody's uh, Star Trek fan film filmed in their backyard. Yeah. I just Yeah, definitely uh, trying to portray a lot more professionalism, you know, just because we don't have a financial challenge right now. That doesn't mean that that's an excuse to be anything less than as professional as we could possibly make it. Uh, try to do the best we can, uh, like, you know, editing down, uh, you know, multiple sound files and having it come up really clean and precise and exactly what we intended. Um, we could do that now, um, you know, having it come out almost right isn't good enough and uh try and get that professionalism level that we want well as i was gonna say it comes back to craft like we were talking at the beginning of this yeah you know it doesn't have to be perfect but it has to be perfect enough mm-hmm. and i wrote in one of my notes wrote recently about uh mvp a minimum viable perfection in other words how what is the least amount of perfectionism you're, or perfection that you're willing to tolerate? 
And I was like, yeah. And, and to me, it, it also kind of helps avoid the perfectionism, but, you know, that's another thing. So it's like, yeah, how good is good enough, but still having it be good enough. Yes, getting it right without driving yourself absolutely up the wall, trying to reach something that you might not be able to quite get to. Right, or or not in any kind of time, you know, realist time mm. frame. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, if you like, keep improving it, great. Well, have you done anything with it? You know, have you shown it to somebody else? I mean, I tell you, I was seeing some, um, oh, it was, I think, believe it was the picture on the, the lady that, uh, yeah, it was from your podcast, the lady that's coming up. Bernadette Bentley. I'm sorry. Uh, Bernadette Bentley. I believe so. The the, did that awesome tastic Xena warrior princess princess. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, that is gorgeous. But you know, there again, I'm sure she didn't get that first time out either. (laughs) That probably was a process. Mm. You know, but at some point, she also had to take it out to the halls and say, "Hey, this is me. We're doing this cosplay." You know, Mm. that kind of thing. So. Let it be a journey, but definitely have at least some of that journey be in public. <laughs> you know, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, patronage it, it still implies that you're releasing work to be patrons or Patreon Indeed. in this case. <laughs> so. Hey guys, it's Bernadette Bentley and you're listening to the Paid to Play podcast. As we're coming to the end of the show, if people now would like, after hearing this episode, would like to find out a little bit more about Birdie and Mike Diamond and the projects they are working on, where can they go find you? Searching under Wonderland RBBT is an excellent place to start, um, certainly. Patreon, for sure. But, yeah, we're on Patreon on that. We're on Threadless, which is our our T-shirt and swag shop under Wonderland RBBT. Um, Pinterest, so we haven't been doing much with it. Twitter, definitely. Facebook, yes. Um, Gamecrafter, yes, which is where our decks are going to be. Yes, Wonderland RBT is your your friend for finding us, that kind of thing. Um, That's a good one. Like I said, um, for myself, Bardic Raven on um, archiveofourown.org, I want to say, for the fanfic. Blackbird Tells Tales for Tumblr, etc. There again, not that I post much, but, you know, we have hashes. <laughs> Someday we'll remember to use them. Um, mm. Things like that, but, yeah, um, there we go. Trying to think of what else. One thing we don't have right now is a formal website, and I've noticed personally that I'm doing a lot better now that we don't. Um, ah, okay. I, I love WordPress. I'm grateful for its existence, but um, until we have the money to hire other people to handle security, and especially in this day and age, nah. It's websites are time suck, and I noticed even a lot of the pros, if they have a website, it's go here for the links and stuff. But other than that, uh, you'll find me on social media. Uh, most people are using social media instead of websites anyway. So, yeah, basically find us on social media, find us on Patreon. Um, I'm hoping to be um, more reliable, if, and by the time the show airs, I'm hoping to have been a little more reliable with posting. Um, that we're, we're creating a ton, honest, but I have to remember that there again, if I don't post it, people don't know that. Oh, yeah. Getting the habit uh, of posting is something really Anyway, but yeah, that and social media are... are Good places. Mm. 
Well, Bertie and Mike, it has been a pleasure having you back on the show. Thank you very much again for your time. Well, thank you for your patience and helping us propitiate the uh, tech gods so this call could happen, things like that. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. No worries, guys. And looking forward to maybe doing this again in a year or so down the road and both of us having great stride more to, to share with you and you to share with us and all those good things. The Paid to Play podcast is part of the SDWV Podcast Network and is brought to you by its fantastic backers on Patreon. Please visit patreon.com slash paid to play and sign up to help the show get bigger and better. You can find the Paid to Play podcast on the web at www.paidtoplay.com.au, on Facebook as the Paid to Play podcast, and on Twitter at Paid Play Podcast. You can also leave one-off tips via the PayPal tip jar. You can find the link on the website. The interview and monologue portions are published under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. In general terms, you can reuse and remix them in your creations as long as you credit Rob Farker and do not charge for your work. For the full text, visit creativecommons.org. The intro and outro music is created by, performed by, and copyright Miracle of Sound, used with permission. For great rock music inspired by video games and pop culture media, check out miracleofsound.net. The Paid to Play podcast is hosted by Business Web Integrations. Get in touch on the web today and let them meet all your online business needs. This is Rob Farker asking you to be a little dangerous and stop hiding yourself. Thank you.